Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello. Welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. Now, as promised, if it is a promise, uh, no podcast this week. Having said that, with the extraordinary achievement of Robert Milkins winning the Welsh Open, I thought I would re, re-up, if that's the word, if that is a word, my interview with him from earlier in the season. I interviewed Rob back in June, right at the start of the season, because he'd won in Gibraltar at the end of last season, and we had a good chat about his life and career in snooker, a lot of which is still relevant to what we've uh, seen unfold in the last week in Clandido. So uh, it's uh, not an official episode, this, but... For those who haven't heard the interview with Rob Milkins, or those who maybe would like to listen to it again after his uh, remarkable victory and everything that came with it, we'll be discussing it all next week, but I thought I'd rerun the interview now, and uh, you can listen in his own words about the career of Robert Milkins. Rob, I always like to start by asking players how they got into snooker. What was your way in? Uh, I used to go to the pub when I was a young kid with my dad, um... They had like, like the kids' side of the room. Because kids were in home pubs back in those days, but kids had a sort of a pool room, sort of a social room really. And I started playing pool, and it, there was quite a, it was quite a big place for pool. Like you know, there was a lot of good players in there. You chalk your name up on the board, and if you, if you lost, you'd, there'd be 15 names, so you wouldn't get back on. And it started from there really. And then on on the weekends, my dad started going to the social club where my mum worked. Um, she worked in nuclear electric, and but they had a lovely social club there, and they had two two uh, full size snooker tables. And I started playing on them, um, and that was it. Really, I just started from then. My, my dad didn't play. Um, it, I didn't really come from nowhere else. It just just happened to be with him all the time, and um, made the most of it. Really, and you often talked about as a natural talent. Did did you did you just take to it straight away? Or? Pretty much so. Um, I used to just like play so much. It was, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I just had that determination just to keep playing and playing and playing. And I just, it wasn't a chore. It would, it just come naturally. I mean, this this happened up to the age of about 20, 21, really. I mean, even when I moved from Bristol to Gloucester when I was 17 and I went into 
I don't know if you remember Nick Pierce. Mm. Um, his dad's club, and that, his dad used to say, brush your tables in the morning, you could have free table time. I'd be in there all day without absolutely no problems at all, like seven, eight hours straight through. Mm. Um, and obviously, you keep putting time like that in, and you're playing against players like Nick Pierce, and you're going you're gonna to improve. Because I, I was... I was I didn't like it, you know. I didn't like picking balls out. I mean, that's the best way of learning, picking balls out for someone. And then um, I didn't really like it. And then I gradually got to him, uh, to his standards. And then turned pro. And I was, I should have turned pro the year before, really. I made a big mistake because I was ready to go the year before. And in the end, it cost me because I got to about 90 in the world after two years. But then they changed the system. They, yeah. they closed it up. Yeah. But I would have been in the 64, mm-hmm. I think. You know, if I'd have turned that year year before, I'd have definitely been in there. And I sort of messed around in the qualifying, like went out most nights, just just like, was going through a rough time. Um, and it cost me, cost me a year. So went on to the UK tour as it was then, and got straight back on. And that was it, really. And yeah. I haven't been, I've been on ever since. Yeah, I was going to ask you about like your first year. Obviously, I know you'd had a family bereavement. Um, yeah. So it's obviously very difficult. You know, it's your dream to be a snooker player, but you know, people have real lives as well, and it's difficult maybe to concentrate on snooker. Like yeah. you say, you, you've spoken before. You know, you took a bit of refuge in, in, in drinking. Well, yeah, I did. I, I mean, to be, to be fair, like my mum died the day before my very first pro match, so I've literally no mobile phones. Then had the phone call. She's passed away. Um, Um, just impactful I come back um, I played six matches I I, uh, I won all six and then come back for the funeral went back played 18 went, no lost me next two and then won 18 in a row I, I, was, I was quite I was lucky really because I was away from it all I didn't want to be there you know I um, I, I just couldn't and um, back in those days I was in a B&B with a load of lads that were it's like, I remember it now it was like a bed breakfast evening meal for 12 quid and Pat who had it she was brilliant so she she used to just look after us and um, I was away from everything you know and that was probably the best thing I could have done because I couldn't cope being, being at home but also like a lot of um, sort of people in their teens they go to university and they, they're away from home, so it's a different environment, isn't it? Um, do, do you think sometimes maybe players sometimes turn pro a bit too young, or they're not maybe guided into how to behave and, and so on? I just think it's tough on the players nowadays. Um, they, they ain't got what we had. I mean, I used to walk in most of the club. I had seven, eight hundred break players to play against, and now there's two or three. Hundred breakers in, in in the county, let alone in the snooker club, it just isn't the same. We had tournaments every weekend: Willie Fawns, Erlington, uh, Strikers. Just so many tournaments, so many tournaments. It was a, it was brilliant. It was so good back then. Um, and now they haven't got that. I mean, pros nowadays, they like I'm I'm, I'm as bad myself. They they lose a match and they'll have two weeks off. Back then you didn't. You lost your match. You was back on the table the yeah. next day, you know. Yeah. So very difficult from there. And, that's, and obviously with all the snooker clubs shut in, they haven't they haven't really got nowhere to play. They, 
you know, that was how we all got like pretty much streetwise back in the day as well, being in snooker clubs. Now it's all academies, and it? it's not quite the same. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you, that you, you actually won quite a few matches, but then they cut the tour quite dramatically. So really, through no fault of your own, yeah. you're suddenly off the tour. I mean, what was that like? Um, well, I was young at the time, just living with my dad. Um, didn't really have kids. Well, I didn't have kids. Didn't didn't have no financial problems. Um, so it was all. It wasn't really that. It wasn't really that tough. I mean, obviously, if I fell off the tour, like last year, I had a real bad season up to Gibraltar, and this year. If, if I'd have fallen off the tour this year, which can't happen now, I don't think, but obviously then you've got three kids to supply. It's a bit different, you know? Well, when you're a 19 year old, you don't really care. I mean, I, used to, I didn't really, it didn't really used to bother me at Blackpool. And so many tournaments, if you lose the odd match, it didn't bother me. It was just the way it was, you know? So when did you sort of, because you became established on the tour, was there a point where you sort of thought, actually, you know, you're looking round, you think, actually, I'm better than a lot of these guys? Because everyone always says about you, we were just talking, me and Sean, we were doing your match, you know, mm. you've got one of the great walks around the table when you're playing well, you look like, you know, you own the place, which is quite intimidating, actually, for, for players. Yeah, I don't mean to walk that, it's just the way it is. <laughs> no, it's, it's a good um, thing, it's a good thing. I've, I've no doubt I've missed the boat a little bit, you know, I, I, I think I was good when I was 1920. Probably probably not as good as I think that I was um, but I did I, I, I thought it was good then but you know just messed about a little bit too much cost me a few times you know had the odd year out really and uh, there you go I mean you can't really do that in snooker you, you start taking the mick out of the game and, it, and it, it's going to bite you back you know and that's that's what's happened a couple of times but, you know I was looking back, you, you made your debut at the Crucible 20 years ago now, 2002. You beat Fergal. Yeah. And I was just looking at the match, you were like 3 0 up in no time. I mean, a lot of players go there and really struggle because it's the Crucible. You, you didn't seem to. No, it was a good draw for me at the time because I, I rate Fergal very highly. But what you want when, you, when you're at like first time at the Crucible, you want, you want to be playing someone who's struggling. And Fergal, I think, was having a bad year that year. And he weren't no better than me anyway. So. Well, in my opinion so that was a good draw um, made the most of it but hammered the next match against Ronnie 13 too and it was a that was a that was a big lesson I learned there so yeah I mean yeah Fergal was a great player but he, like I say it was a good draw at the time but you seem to like the, the crucible the mystique and all that you seem to cope with all that very well yeah it's, well, it might look that way but probably my biggest downfall all, all through my career even last year, is just self-belief, just no self-belief whatsoever. And you wouldn't believe that. Like, I mean, people look at him, oh, look at him cocky, fast. Uh, uh, but that's deep down inside. No, no belief. If you ain't got no belief, you must forget it. You know, if you think you, if you're doubting yourself, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose. And I've had it all, all through my career. And, you know, I've seen it in other players as well. Some players they get get rid of it just like that, and other players don't. I mean. Jack Lazowski was struggling a few years ago and he was on about he was saying to me about his safety and I said mate it's not even your safety I said you just don't got the belief I said once you get that self-belief and then look what happened he got the self-belief and then all of a sudden that was it you know why, why is that though Rob because you know you played snook all your life to very high standards people listening might, might think why don't you have that belief in yourself well do you know what I, I think like recently I've had counselling I'm not, not like you know after Turkey and now for you know I'm not very 
not feeling that great, you know. And I went to that counselling, and one of the things the lady told me was, um, you care about what other people think too much. So when I'm struggling and I'm out there, all I'm thinking about is what the people are thinking of me. Mm. All, all the time that happens. Um, just, she said, just forget about it. Just try and, who cares about what they think? They're not thinking nothing, you know, just who cares? Mm. But all through my career, that's all I think about. Oh my, my God. Sometimes it's happened, play against, well, it's only really happened with Ronnie, but there's been certain stages against Ronnie a few times because I took quite a few pumpings off him where I'm sort of hoping he don't miss because I don't really want to get back to the table. That's, that's not a good thing, that, you know. I've heard other players say that, like Joe Perry was Joe yeah. Perry was saying that, and you know you look at him and you think he's sort of you know even tempered, but he just shows you it's, it's such a psychological game. It's not just it's a game, yeah, mm. but there's everything else going on as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, some players though they've got that, haven't they? I mean, probably not as talented as some players, but they they've got self belief. Mm. It's just something inside you, you know. But like winning Gibraltar last year. Maybe that's maybe that's just um, triggered it for me because I was thinking the other day driving down the mountain, you know, that's like massive. That is winning a tournament. I mean, some players, I'm, you know, I'm 46 now. I'm not kidding myself. I'm not saying I'm going to be winning a lot, but that might just be what I needed. You know, that little bit. I mean, might not. <laughs> Probably I'll end up, you know, doing the same as before. But you know, it, it can only help. I think you know when you win a tournament like that. So. You did. Uh, you did get in the top sixteen, of course. You know when the Barry Hearn era started, and, and there were more tournaments. Did you think maybe you'd turn the corner then? Because that's that's a big deal. You played at the Masters and so on. Yeah. Do you know what? When I got in the top sixteen again that year, I mean, I, I spent cost how, how long? Probably eight, eighteen years or, so, or whatever it was to get in the top sixteen. When I got in that year in the top sixteen, he changed the system, right. so he opened it right up. Right. So not really. It. And and back then, when he opened it up, there was no. I don't even know if they were seeded. No, it was seeded. It was top 64 players, bottom 64. But that was, it was, it took me all that time and then he, and then he changed it and back to square one, really. Yeah. But um, was it like playing at the Masters? I mean, that, you know, that's kind of a... Well, yeah, I, I played Ronnie there and mm. um, Neil there. I mean, very tough both times. No different than anywhere else, really. I mean, no different than the Crucible. Um, if you get off... If you get off to a good start, he's probably all right, but both times then actually Neil's game was a bit of a struggle for both of us. It was quite close, but against Ronnie, once again, I, I lost to him 6-1. Then that was about a week after I lost to him 6-0 in the uh, last 16 of the UK or something, you know, so not, not, not the best draw in the world, is it? Like, those, those time, those days I was just thinking, oh my God, don't draw Ronnie. Looking at Ronnie every time with the draw. Um, I mean, a lot of players probably do the same, but you can't really call him a bogey player because he's he does it to everyone. But I mean, my my win percentage, frame win percentage against him must be very, very no higher than ten percent. I would say it's ridiculous. But, but around the same time, of course, in Gloucester, Paul Mount opened the academy. Yeah, which I mean, it's on your doorstep. And I yeah. know Paul, you know, special person to yeah. you. That was um, a great help to your career, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like. The conditions, everything was brilliant. So great. I mean, I didn't really like playing there in tournaments because I was coming in 
on the old system. I think he opened it on the old system. I weren't playing first or second round. I was coming in a bit later. So they needed a couple of days to recover the tables. Then I had to wait a couple of days to play. So I missing. I was missing like lots of days of practice. Um, real tough. But I mean, as like the venue was brilliant. It was great. And back in the day, we had we had all the Welsh boys coming over. Jamie Jones, Michael White, Dan Wells. Um, there were just so many players to play, and it, and then we had the Chinese there as well. Yu Peng, Gudong, Peng Fai, they were living in Gloucester, and it was just good, you know. It was it was brilliant. And then, obviously, towards the end, because um, he, he he got rid of the place in the end, sold it, um, and the, the players that were there, like Sam Baird, they were all falling off the tour. And it was difficult for me then to get motivated, you know, going in. But in the end, I ended up on my own. Um, Michael Bosley was there, Dominic was there, but they all went. And I ended up on my own, and it was tough, you know. At that age, going in there, trying to put in hours, is really difficult. So now I just decided, I've, I've, Paul's actually got somewhere else for me to play. Um, nice nice little place, and uh, I'm playing there. But I've had to make an effort now, just to try and travel a little bit. Because it's a lot easier. I mean, you can play all day against someone, but when you play on your own, it's tough. Mm. Get motivated. And Paul, in general, though, Paul is sporty, doesn't he? I mean, he's a great fan of snooker. Lo- loves the game. No, he's been brilliant to me. Not just like snooker-wise, but like um, helped me out. You know, like house-wise and everything else. So, yeah, sadly, I don't really see much of Paul now. I mean, I'm still he's still there for me, um, but I don't really I haven't spoke to him for a long time. But um, you know, if ever I need him, he's like the one one of there's, there's a couple of people that I can turn to and Paul's, Paul's definitely one of them you know tell me about you beat Neil Robertson a couple of times at the Crucible you know and obviously every tournament's important but that's the one you know is on the radar it's like Wimbledon's on now ten, you know, people are watching yeah. tennis suddenly yeah. so what were those days like you know the, the big wins he always, he always goes there as one of the favourites but mm. you, you turn him over twice there well, I, I, look, the first time I played him I was a bit fortunate really I think he was burnt out it was a long season didn't play well I didn't play well he didn't play well um, he missed the boat I think he went 5-2 up or something he missed the boat anyway I got back to 5-4 and the match just turned but it wasn't it wasn't a great match um, in the second match I played right against him the next time I beat him I played quite well um, felt like he, he's beat me in a lot of big tournaments mind. he's beat me in like semis of Wushi uh, Masters he's beat me a lot, lot of times he's beat me as many times as I beat him um, but I, when when you play someone who's as good as him, and you've got a record that's not not that bad against someone, it gives me confidence, you know. Um, obviously, I, I still don't want to draw him. I mean, if I if I got to a crucible this year, I, he'd be one of the last people I'd want to draw. Um, but yeah, just horses to courses sometimes, you know, and just the way it goes. And psychologically, it makes a big difference. You know? Let's talk about last season, Rob, because it was um, a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, you've gone to Gibraltar. I think you've won three matches all season. Yeah. Um, there was no logical reason why you should win the tournament, but you know, you've been knocking on the door. You've been in semi-finals before. Um, just tell us about that. Obviously, Turkey beforehand yeah. was the other side. That was the the low mm. point. Within a couple of weeks, you've won a tournament. I mean, can, yeah. can you explain how that all happened? Well, do you know what? Every every single tournament, I, I sort of think to myself, is this going to be the one? Mm. I mean, I don't know if all players think that but I do think that when I get there sometimes like I say about the self-belief and that it doesn't work out that way but 
Um, I'd have no actual expectations in that tournament. You know, like you say, after Turkey and that, I was just thinking they're trying to win the first match, pick up the two grand to try and get get by it. You know, until hold out until the world. Um, of course, I won the first match, and then like second, third, fourth, fifth, you're playing for a grand each time. I don't really, it's not massive pressure on me. I had a decent draw, really, to get through. I think I fairly fairly good, but obviously I played Mark Allen, who's T- always tough you know and I played well against him really I mean from 3-1 down I won a black ball game and it just turned and I made a good break in the last and that might have been that might have been the one that just clicked it for me and uh, yeah just amazing I, I, even in the final I was absolutely I was knackered I, I, I had two hours wait for the final and I weren't enough time really because you, you, you've been to Gibraltar and you know what it's like the ven- now the venue is is better to play at, but it's a bit further out. So getting back to there's not really enough time in between, and um, I'm not good at playing a lot of matches in a day anyway because I don't practice that long. Um, so I was knackered, and then against Kyron, I mean, just funny how it goes, isn't it? I mean, the first frame I break off late in the blue, he makes a break. I've done a good clearance. Yeah. And then before I know it, I'm 2-0, 3-0. And then obviously I start like twitching because that's, this is my big chance now to actually win win the tournament, which we all want to do, isn't it? Win one ranking event, fantastic, you know. Um, and in the end, just fell over the line, really. But yeah, I just couldn't believe it. Just still don't really believe it now. But I'm, I'm sort of sinking in now, you know. What was it like when... You know, they handed the trophy over. I mean, that's what everyone dreams of. We saw it with Mark King and Anthony Hamilton. They waited a long time for that moment. So yeah. it's your moment. Yeah, well, the best part of it was the last couple of balls when I won it. I mean, that was the... I didn't even know where to look. I had Ben Ankle there as well and Jimmy. They, they'd come down to watch me, um, to watch the last bit. I think they'd been knocked out in the... Uh, well, not Ben out earlier in the, that day. But Jimmy, they'd been somewhere and they'd come down, fair play to them, they'd come down and I'd give Ben a big hug and that was, you know, that was brilliant for me, that bit. And obviously lifting the trophy, I mean, after that, it's all brilliant, you know? And then you've got the interviews, you don't mind, you don't mind doing all the interviews once you've won a tournament. Um, yeah, just amazing. And also, I mean, you mentioned earlier about this thing of people watching, but in this instance, they're watching a good thing happening. They're watching you win, which yeah. was really special for you. Yeah, very special. You know, forget it's about the people at home, really, though. You know, the ones who've um, been with me for the whole journey. You know, like you say, Paul, mate. Uh, I've got a couple of friends, well, they're family to me. Dean and Mandy, um, just dead ones, really. Uh, a couple of others. You know, I, I said about people who have lost and all that. You know, just for all for them. You know, they they they're the ones that deserve it as much as me or you know, anyone else. But, yeah, great. But the most remarkable thing, Rob, is it happened after Turkey where you enjoyed your birthday a bit too much, shall we say. Yeah. You know, and you were suddenly in the, in the media and so on. I yeah. mean, to bounce back like that, incredible, really. It was only, like, a couple of weeks, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, just made a fool of myself. Didn't I? I, I don't really know what happened to Sartre. My head wasn't very good. I'm not saying it's brilliant now, but, uh, I mean, I wasn't in a great place. Um and messed up completely uh, but yeah I mean 
actually played well in that tournament. <laughs> I played the next, not the next day, but the day after I played day. I played so well. I had, two, I had broken ribs. I weren't. Obviously, I was still probably a bit shaky from the drink. I went forward and up against him, and then uh, he played so well to come back. I was a bit disappointed to lose. Um, but, yeah, I mean, having to apologise to everyone going down. I've done all the right things. You know, I tried to, after that, you know, the following day, I made all... I've done everything that I think I should have done. You know, very apologetic to everyone. They was all right with me, you know. The sponsors, everything. They were fantastic because they could have kicked me out of the tournament. Um, people, you know, the Urchin Badam and... Uh, text me this morning you know like he well, that was one of the main sponsor I mean he he texted me after the game and he said uh, well and Robin uh, proud of you you know what I mean so it meant a lot you know mm-hmm. knowing that I didn't really I didn't really damage the tournament in the end mm-hmm. although it could have happened I mean the way it was and it finished the way Judd finished with the maximum it was a fantastic tournament and, and you know I'll be going back there next year hopefully and uh, I won't won't be attending the open ceremony. <laughs> but I think the, the thing is, Rob, I think people understand that you haven't gone there like a millionaire footballer, you know, just sort of not, not caring about anybody. You've had problems, you know, off yeah. table. People have real lives. Mm. And maybe that affected you, your behaviour. You, you did apologise. And I think people were genuinely happy to see you win a tournament. Yeah, because I think they, rec- so, they right, recognise yeah. that life is a roller coaster. You have ups yeah. and downs. You had a down there. People were genuinely pleased to see you have enough. Did you, did you sort of feel that? It was great, within the sport, there was a great reaction to you winning. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so, yeah. I, well, that's the feeling I get. I mean, you know, you're, you're gonna, always going to get the old one who don't really want you to win. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that was the feeling I, I got as well. And, um, yeah, like I said, just it was just amazing. It was just unbelievable that I won Gibraltar two weeks. Literally the lowest point in my career to the highest in a matter of two weeks. I've been pro for 26, 27 years or whatever. Mm. You know, it was a crazy, crazy old couple of weeks up. Mm. Um, but it won't be happening again anyway. Like I say, it was just a mistake. And I, do you know what? I, the thing is, I went there. I went to the opening ceremony. I, I never had one drink. I got to the bar, and before I know it, it was my birthday, yeah. Everyone, like, gave me these gins, gins. I didn't even know where I was. I didn't even know what I was doing, Dave. That's the honest truth. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, if if I did, that would make it real bad for me. But because I was completely out of it, I sort of obviously there's no f- excuse. Mm. But you know, I don't. No, I don't really want to talk about that. No, of course. Yeah. You know, but in general, I mean, snooker is a very intense game. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, you, you're talking to someone. Is, do you think that will help in terms of the, the playing career, the fact that you can go and speak to someone about any problems you might have. Because not everyone does that, you know, and, and uh, I think people do it more now than they used to. Mate, it was mad, right? So, I've realised that I weren't in a good place. So, Neil Tompkins, who was brilliant, um, he said this sporting chance, you know, we can get, get hold of them and uh, put you in for a few sessions. And this lady, uh, not far from where I live, actually, uh, went and spoke to her lovely lady um, but I was actually opening up to her things that I've told people nobody else knows um, but top side told people nobody else knows these things that I was holding in like, and, and I was letting speaking to her about it. Um, mainly to do with um, 
my mum's death, a couple of things like you know. And you know, it's just like massive weight. Yeah. Like, can't explain it really. Like, massive weight off my shoulders. So maybe I have something. To, well, I'm no doubt it did have something to do with it. Maybe, maybe went there knowing that I've not not freedom. You know. Mm. Well, in terms of like this season, we're starting out. You're 27 in the world, so things have turned around. Helped by that big yeah. win. What are your sort of immediate goals now? Because you know, it looked like you might be off the tour. You could have been in Q school. You look pretty safe now. So, what are you? What are your sort of immediate goals? I just, I haven't really got any. Mm. To start truth. I'm just playing every match as it comes. Uh, like I say, I mean, winning the tournament's massive. Um, I'm, I'm got that. Sort of uh, stigma, like attached anymore. It's all yeah. gone now. It's done. Um, so anything's a bonus now. You know, if I get to, into that position again, quarters, semis. I mean, uh, the times I got there before, I, I never really played that great anyway. Like a lot of games, I've won games where I am no, I haven't played well. But the semis, I mean, I, I up to six semis, I I played good players in all of them, but didn't didn't perform at all maybe, maybe this you know after winning that might be might might um, be a bit of, bit of a different story you know I might actually uh, relish a chance to get to a final again and and, and push on mm. you know? but we just have to wait and see it. Mm. and finally have you enjoyed being a snooker player because I suppose there are steadier jobs you could have but they probably yeah. wouldn't have been as exciting no it's been great it's been a great journey um, people I've met um Easy, easy life really. It's not the practice is not, you know, when you're stuck on your own, it's not great. But come on, I mean, could could be a brickie or something like that, can't you? You know, hard graft. I, I mean, snooker's just been great, and the places I've travelled, like, miss China so much. You know, the last couple of years. I mean, all those times that I used to think, oh no, I've got to get on a plane, go there again, because we used to do it quite a lot, of, yeah. lot, of, lot. Of, Journeys like five or six times a year, and I was thinking the other day, I'd just love to be there now. I'd love to go out and play there. Um, but yeah, some great places I've been to Hong Kong, Australia, you know, even Bendigo. I love Bendigo, I used to love going there. Long journey, but just yeah, it's been, been a fantastic roller coaster of a ride, really. Yeah, yeah, it's not over yet. That's the thing. No, it's not over yet. I'm still, still here at the moment, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens in the future, innit? Brilliant. Well, thanks, Rob. And thanks. It, it, well, I know a lot of snooker fans, they, they, at the time they said it, but it, it's true now that they were really happy to see you win that tournament. And hopefully, it's the first of a few more as well. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Yeah, cheers, cheers, Rob. Cheers. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.